Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll, I'll have what a, do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 148 of the Waytail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me on my porch. Chuck, what's up, buddy? <laughs> Not too much, man. What's going on? Nothing, man. It's a beautiful night for a porch bod. It sure is. It sure is. We got drinks flowing. I may have over-poured on the vodka. Uh-oh. So I apologize ahead of time for uh, that one. That's okay. You'll be all right. Not to you, the listeners. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I am doing great, man. How you been? Good, man. I shot my bow tonight, completed our little... Weekly challenge for our Patreon group, which is always exciting. I'm very excited about this whole thing we got going on, keeping everybody accountable until season starts. It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, so kind of explain that real quick. We are running a, kind of like the, it's, it's not exactly a one-shot challenge because it is a random shot number at a random distance um, and a random size target. Correct. For 12 weeks leading up to the season. So we're going to run that through the Patreon group. So if you're interested in joining that, the winner each week will try to give like a little prize away if there's like a clear winner. And at the end of it all, we're going to add up the totals and we're going to give away a prize as well. Yeah, man. Which is pretty cool. And we're going to keep that just within our Patreon group. So if you guys want to do that, go check us out. Join our Patreon and you can join in on all the fun that we're having. And it's actually a really cool little thing. I'm glad that one of our Patreon members actually brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. So... Off of the, he kind of got the idea a little bit from the boating mm -hmm. league from the one-shot challenge, but yeah. we're throwing our own little spin on it, so I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, jump right into this thing, because we do have a guest on the line with us tonight. We do. You want to introduce Miss Charmaine? Yeah. How you doing? Hey, guys. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. I want to uh, I want to hop on real quick and get just a little intro from you, and then we'll get a little bit of business out of the way, and then we'll jump right into it. Is that cool? Sounds good. All right. Can you tell me and the listeners who you are, where you're from, what you do, all the fun stuff? All right. So I am Charmaine Leith. I'm based out of Southwest Colorado. I'm a healthcare financial counselor, photographer, and most importantly, I'm a pro team outdoor athlete. I'm just doing what I love out in the outdoor industry, and here I am. Awesome. I, that was a great answer. Pro team outdoor <laughs> athlete. I love that. I like the way you worded that. Yeah, I'm a big fan. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a reason, obviously, we have you on here. But since we've added you into the intro here, we need to, you know, obviously recognize our partners. Absolutely. And first and foremost is Scree Gear. Yep. Scree Gear, one of my favorite partners. Guys, if you haven't heard of them, go check them out on the website. They have sales running all the time. But if something is not on sale, check out our, you know, our coupon code WDP20. Check it out. 20% off your first purchase. Absolutely. So Charmaine and I, we actually met at the Total Archery Challenge down at Seven Springs, and she was working at the Scree booth there. So that's why we have her on today. And 
Charmaine, since you're here, we need you to plug your favorite product from Scree. Hands down, of course, is the women's hard scrabble gear. Ooh. Honestly, I mean, y'all know what the hard scrabble is for men's, most of you. But the women's, you know, it's more form fitting, durable, lightweight, lifetime warranty. It just fits good. I mean, I've worn camo, of course, like my entire life and never found something that just fit me right. And of course, it's Scree gear and I represent them and it's absolutely wonderful. That's a great answer, too. They uh, they really make amazing, amazing product. And it's, it's nice that they actually have a women's line, too, because most people don't offer that. A lot of women that are getting into the industry, you know, they're wearing hand-me-downs from their boyfriend or their husband, or they get something that just doesn't really fit them. So that's actually really awesome to hear that you love their women's line. Love, love. But you know what? At the same time, um, they only have the hard scrabble summit in the women's gear. So when I need my solids or the soulless color, which is like the brownish kind of camo, I go to the men's line, which is just as awesome. It's just not quite as form fitting as the women's, but I still love it just as much. Yeah. I will say that it's a very anatomical, very athletic fit. Even the men's line. I know a lot of women love it too, just because it does fit pretty dang well in all the right places that keep you kind of moving in the right, you know, and I mean, that's what I love about it personally, even from the men's line, but you know, I, I haven't tried the women's line yet, Austin, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know what? I always tell everybody I have pretty much everything scree, but I'm lying. Cause I don't have the women's line stuff. Maybe gets up to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I have to, you're right. There you go. <laughs> that Very is exciting. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome though. The hard scrabble is great. It, what I like about, you know, the hard scrabble, that thing, it, that suit, you know, top, bottom vest can get you through most of it. Definitely. Definitely. I yep. love it. Absolutely. You know, I, I layer. So like, you know, turkey season, I can still wear it. The winter still can wear it. So, and you know, a lot of people don't want to have a million different pairs of stuff for every single season. Hard scrabble is good for all of them. I would totally agree. Pair that with a little bit of merino wool. You're good to go. Yep. Ready to rock and roll. And the, the other part of that, too, like, obviously, it takes you throughout the entire season. But that stuff is comfy, and you can wear it around the fire. I mean, if you really want to, it's your camouflage. But, you know, the nice part about that, too, is like Charmaine was mentioning, you don't have to pack a million things. That's if true. You're, if you're traveling, which we might get into some traveling, that's going to happen here for Charmaine later on the season. We will get into that. But when you travel, you don't have to pack 14 different suits. That's right. You know, that's my yeah. favorite part, too. Speaking of the comfort factor, I just got to throw this out there. One of my favorite things was really cold out and you're going to bed and you want to, you know, snuggle in a little bit. I wear the Wasatch like jammies sometimes, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so comfortable. I love it. Jammies. Oh, man, that brings up a good story that's not topic related, so I'm not going to go into it. We'll talk about that but... <laughs> later. <laughs> oh, man. We do have to also recognize our other partner, which is VIP Archery. The baddest broadheads in the business, man. They absolutely. are unbelievable absolutely razor sharp absolutely razor sharp right out the package you can just blow through animals rinse them off put them back together that's the nice part about those is like literally up one pin and take the top off and you can just disassemble get them all real cleaned up real nice put them back together put them through another animal it's a beautiful thing man 100 percent made in america mm -hmm. veteran-owned company Matt Futere, man, and Cindy. Shout out to Cindy Futere. They are uh, amazing people. Yeah, she's the best. So there it is. Business is out of the way. Yes. All right, Charmaine. It's your time to shine now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, what's funny about the whole thing is I was supposed to come down and help you guys set up that booth. 
And uh, they had called me and asked me, you know, hey, how far away is it? And I told them, I said, it's not that bad. I, I may have, you know, bent the truth a little bit because I wanted to go down and do it. But I was like, ah, it's like an hour and a half. I can drive down there, no problem. They're like, okay, well, they got two people going down. They'll figure it out. And I never got the call. And then was it the, who was with you, the partner that you were with that ended up setting it up with uh, the booth behind you or something? Is that how that worked? the day before I did mm-hmm. so she had to do it by herself and she rambled some guys around there to help her that's a beautiful thing too man <laughs> yeah uh, I thought it was hilarious because they all they had to do was call me I told them I would do it <laughs> don't worry about it they never called me <laughs> I felt bad though I really did I felt horrible I, I rolled up into there and I wanted to check out some stuff and man by the time we got there because we went Saturday but we didn't give ourselves enough time to get around so Sunday we went to the booth and I was with uh you know, our buddy Steve Waskin yep. and uh, Marty. Oh, yeah. We were both there, and we were kind of checking out the Scree booth, and uh, that's when I ran into Charmaine. But uh, it seemed like you guys were pretty well picked over. So how did that event go for Scree, and how did you guys end up doing on the weekend? So that was actually our first Total Archery Challenge for Scree gear. It was, like, total new to everybody. Like, let's just wing it, see how it goes, if it's good for us. And so we didn't bring as much gear as we should have because we didn't really know what to bring, to be totally honest. We went to random stuff and we still, we still killed it. People, it's so funny. So people are like, we see your ads all the time or we see photos all the time on media. It's so awesome to see y'all here and actually feel your, your gear now. Mm -hmm. And so people were stoked that we were actually there and we did really well, but learned for the other TAC events. (laughs) <laughs> very cool. Very cool. I'm surprised that they actually brought products. When we worked the booth in uh, in Harrisburg at the Great American Outdoor Show, they had every piece there in every size. And basically what they did is they just drop shipped everything. Like you got to try on, they had a changing booth and stuff. And then you basically bought it and they shipped it out that day or the next day straight to your house, which was kind of cool. Yeah. I feel like that's, it's a blessing and a curse going that way. Like a lot of people want it now. They do. They want to mm-hmm. wear it or they, you know, they don't want to order online and then wait for it. Right. But put a ton of online orders and it was great. But we definitely took a, a lot more gear to the Montana tech. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Tons. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun event. It really is. I love it down there. And I was I was actually really excited to see you guys were down there as well. Um, because I'm glad obviously made that move. They're really pushing to get in front of people and I I mean I was telling you before we hit record here, you know, our buddy Steve, he was the one that once he had his hand on it, finally, he got his hands on the stuff and he was looking at some of the pieces and trying it on. He went home and bought like everything. Else. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of how it goes for a lot of people. Like people are on the fence about it because you can't go to the store and check it out like a lot of other brands. But, you know, once people see it and they kind of see the system and they realize what it is, it clicks with them. It's game over. Once you get them in that gear, they're buying it. <laughs> they're buying yep. it. Yep. It's that good. You don't even have to sell it. You just try it on and they know it's good and it fits well. That's it. Sells That's itself. It. So I'm actually interested on how you kind of got involved with Scree as well, because you're more fitting than we are, I would say, for the product. I mean, it's it's made from the West, right? It was built around extreme mountain gear. I mean, that was the whole push from Scree early on was for exactly you know, what you do with it. But how did you find Scree and how did you get involved with them? So funny. Don't hate on this, everybody. But TikTok. Oh, my gosh. Stupid TikTok. I love TikTok. I I do, too. (laughs) It is not my favorite app. But, you know, we all got to do it in the outdoor industry. People are, media is so important. Anyways, 
found them on TikTok and loved the way that their gear looked. So went online, looked at reviews, blah, 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 bought their stuff. And I was like, I'm working with them. Whatever it takes, it's going to happen. So really all I did was I applied for their protein position and really just grew from there. Okay. You know, continue to wear their gear, create content, um, prove proved myself to all of them and gained an athlete position with Scree and now I work with them. That is awesome. I've all I've actually been told and I know this comes into your background as well with photography, but you know, some one of the main people that I look up to in the industry that does marketing and whatnot, you know who I'm talking about, Austin. He had always told me, you know, the reason he got into photography was because he knew that one day that would lead to the future of where we are today with you know social media and promoting product and I have to believe that your photography and your background and it had to have, you know helped you along the way as far as promoting some of this stuff plus I mean you're a badass you've been doing some pretty cool stuff as well killing elk and mule deer and all that other stuff that helps as well I'm sure <laughs> just a little bit that's all all the things that I love but yes photography and good content for all of the companies is so important these days so it really was just like a blessing in disguise that I could use my, you know, my photography skills in the world that I love. Absolutely. We'll nerd out for a second here. And I mean, I'm not big on cameras. I really don't know much. But what are you running for the people that are listening to this? And they might be, you know, interested in doing the same thing. Maybe they just want to take great pictures of outdoors. So honestly, I run a Nikon. And it's been the camera that I've used for so long that I just know it so well. that I don't know if I could ever give it up. Mm. <laughs> That's funny. That's love what it. I have too. <laughs> Really? I just love it. <laughs> I've always been told Sony was the master race, so I don't know much about Nikon. I don't have an amazing Nikon, but I have a D3400. It's it's a great camera. It's really, yeah, yeah it's a good camera. Charmaine, is he speaking uh, <laughs> French to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, camera world. But you know, it makes a massive difference in the industry. If you want to be like where I am or somebody larger, you have to have good photos. Yeah. This is so what's your what's the specific model of what you're running body and lens what what do you have going um I know i've also nikon. got well i've got the nikon d3200 and i've got several different lenses okay so it really just depends where i'm at and what i'm doing what's your favorite lens for just uh all around oh. we'll go all around you oh my gosh i don't even know what the oh, now you got me you gotta put me in this <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay i'm pushing the limits of my own knowledge here i know very very little that's why i'm trying to i'm trying to learn through you <laughs> <laughs> I go, I'll, I'll take, I go a little bit, I go pretty standard. I do mostly an 1855, okay. which is, it's kind of your basic, I don't want to call it a point and shoot lens, but it's kind of like a point and shoot lens, essentially. Um, not a whole lot of zoom to it or anything yeah. like that, but you can do, I have some other wide angle lenses and stuff like that and a couple telephoto, but nothing too crazy. I don't really do a whole lot of photography. Like Charmaine does a lot more than yeah. I do, but it's, uh, it's fun. All right. I'm looking at my camera as we speak because that's going to bother me, but <laughs> I run a 35 millimeter most of the time, yeah. and this is because I can use it all over the place. I've got a larger one that zooms way further, but when you're, you have something right in front of you and you have to switch out your lens, it just is not convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So I go with a smaller lens for most of my stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's funny because I, and I'm not kidding, I know nothing about 
but I was going to guess 35 millimeter. That's the weird part. Like go. it was in my head. And it was I don't know where sense, from. Man. Yeah, but you know, I know very little from just hanging out with Boer enough and and some of the photography he does. Um, but that's cool. That's cool. I lo- I like it. I it's something that people need to put more time and effort into. I would say, you know, on the photography side, if you want to, I think you could take any camera and make it really good if you know your camera. You don't need to go all in and buy them expensive or the craziest. Like Charmaine's saying, perfect example, she knows her camera in and out. Right. And I think that goes farther than somebody that can just go and spend 10 grand on a camera and, you know, another five on a lens and call it a day. Um, you know, they're still not going to take as good of pictures as, as what you would or, or Charmaine, as long as you know your camera. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Getting a camera, yeah. I mean, use what you have, mm-hmm. learn it, and then you can upgrade from there is realistically my point of view on yeah and editing is just as important i feel like i feel like i spend so much time editing my photos as well and i use lightroom i love lightroom okay I love it. yes yeah, i don't know this. that's okay it's just, it's just <laughs> obviously it's an editing software, it's an editing software right? yeah, yeah. It's similar to like it's somewhere like a photoshop almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool, cool. Now that's great advice. I mean, honestly, that's great advice. I think, I think you know, someday I might grow up and actually get a camera that's not like a handycam style where you just one button zoom in and out, you know? You're good. Buddy. You're good. Auto focus on. Okay, we're good. <laughs> I want to I want to change direction just a little bit. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't, no, we're good. Yeah. I, know, I know you want to nerd out just a little bit, but I want to do like a little bit. I did a little bit of a deep dive on you on your Instagram, and I noticed you do a lot of fishing. You have some fantastic photos of fish. I love fishing. You know, it's if I'm not hunting, I'm fishing, and we fish so much during the summer. And it's like like hunting season. It kind of goes away when it gets cold. We do some ice fishing, but we do a ton of summer fishing. It's my jam. Yeah. Now, are you uh, are you a fly rod gal or are you uh, like what's what's your rod and reel combo? You know, I've got a fly rod. I've got the whole setup and the waders and all that. And honestly, I never use it. Perfect. I think it's just like children. Okay. I have a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. I'm not fly fishing with a four-year-old pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. I took uh, my, my three-year-old and my one-year-old out, and we fished with some Barbie rods, and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever works, right? I mean, my four-year-old loves to fish. That little girl, if you can see her on my media, loves to fish mm-hmm. too. But it ain't going to be no fly fishing. <laughs> I'm there with you, man. I was just making sure before I shit on all the fly fishermen this year that, uh, you know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a running joke. joke. Yeah, yeah. It's been a running joke on this podcast for years and, you know, it's, it's hilarious, but I, I don't know. I've always watched like movies and you know different things where I see the people in the beautiful creeks fly fishing. It just looks very peaceful. That's why I wanted to ask and go into that first, you know, make sure, see what you're doing. But I mean, what's the uh, what's the target? I see you catch a ton of trout, but is it mostly trout fishing that you're targeting, or do you do a little bit of everything? You know, it's mostly trout fishing out here for me. Yeah. There are a few lakes have like bass, pike, walleye. Really, weren't aren't in my area. Most of it's all trout fishing. Rainbow, brookies. We do a ton of creek fishing as well. Um, spinners, different types of bait, mostly different types of bait. Yeah, Definitely. So. I'm even just scrolling through right now just to take a quick peek. And you've got some slammer, some slammers, man. You, I mean, this one right here, it says it's a tiger trout. It kind of looks like a brookie, honestly. Yeah, so from my understanding, like, these fish, like, are not just, like, made by themselves. Like, I think that they're a man-made 
like fish Mm -hmm. and then they put them in places like you don't just go to the lake and find them because this is the first time i've ever found a tiger trout and i they're super you don't find them interesting interesting yeah and you don't quote me on that everybody y'all have to look it up but i'm pretty sure like i'm gonna look it up right now (laughs) chuck fact checker (laughs) fact checker you you, you want me to do that google (laughs) no i'm just Uh, kidding uh, all right i'm gonna put my phone away then (laughs) oh hybrid hybrid of a brown trout and a brook trout oh that's cool we have both of those but in Pennsylvania. I, Actually, the brook trout is our uh, our state fish. Real, yeah. I didn't know. Come on, man. You're from Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know. Brook trout. I don't know if I've ever caught a brook trout in my life. You got to fish for them in the mountains. What? Yeah, we have a lot of wild mountain. browns. Yeah, we've caught browns and, and rainbows, mostly rainbows. Yeah, but uh, it's fun. I I miss trout fishing. It's something around here that they kind of screwed it all up a couple years ago, Charmaine. When covid hit here they did the weirdest thing in the world like normally pennsylvania we are known for like our first day so first day of trout is like a holiday i mean everybody goes up to camp they go up to the mountains they flock the tiniest little streams and everything and then a couple years ago they took the opening day and then all of a sudden they just sent out like a mass email to everybody it was just like hey just kidding opening day is not in two weeks it's now congratulations go fish <laughs> yeah <laughs> They were apparently trying to, like, disperse the groups of people from, like, flocking into, like, creeks and streams and stuff like that. But ever since then, I don't know. I just haven't been able to get out and do it. I mean, it was always, it's that time of year where it's kind of tough for me, for my schedule. Landscaping business, so it's starting to kind of pick up. And it's always, like, right around the middle of the month. And it's tough, but it's something I miss. It's something we haven't done in a couple of years, usually a big group of us goes up to the camp and has that first day experience. I don't know. I mean, where does it, where does uh, the love and passion of fishing for you come from? Is that, is that a family thing? I know you said you, earlier to us before we hit record, you know, a lot of things come from your dad and he kind of taught you a lot of everything. Is that where your uh, passion for fishing comes from as well? Yep, absolutely. We did a ton of fishing growing up. You know, I have bits and pieces of memories of hunting, but mainly it was all revolved around fishing. That's exciting. I, I know my grandfather got me into just about everything with hunting and fishing. And that was one of the things that I enjoyed more, like kind of growing up was fishing, going out and doing that. And then obviously I got into hunting too, but those are the big memories that I can remember going out and fishing. Yeah. I think also you know, with us, I mean, you weren't allowed to hunt until you were 12 years old, but I remember getting drug all over the trout streams when I was five, six, you know, seven and a whole way up. You were, we were fishing way before we were allowed to hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there never used to be a youth program like that where you could do a mentored hunt. So I think that's why fishing was kind of like one of those things you're saying, Austin. You know, it's from a young age, it's instilled in you. Definitely, definitely. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's we're, we're big in our traditions and stuff like that around here. It's, you know, a very heavily traditional type of state as far as hunting and fishing goes. Did you guys ever, did you have anything like that uh, growing up? You know, like every year this was our tradition. We were going to go do this or we were going to go fish here. Oh, traditions. Well, you know, in my later years, we, we did. I don't remember a whole lot from my childhood, unfortunately. I don't. I just don't. But every year we go to like the Creed and Lake City, Colorado area, and we fish and we fish. And they've got a cool miners competition. So that's been a family jam every single year. And we seriously look forward to it. It's so cool. 
That is pretty cool. I can take that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's transition this a little bit out of fishing. This is a hunting podcast. Let's, <laughs> let's get into the we, hunting. So far, bit. we've talked about photography and fishing, and I apologize. I, that is totally my <laughs> fault. <laughs> but yeah, definitely hunting. It is getting exciting. I know it's that time of year. People are getting trail cameras out, you know, food plots, whatever. I mean, I'm not sure a lot of that might relate to Colorado, but you just said basically, and I know Colorado got rushed with snow this year. I mean, parts of Colorado got absolutely dumped on, and you're just now getting kind of out of that. So what is the exciting things going on right now in your prep? So, you know, to like go back on that topic, during spring turkey season, I feel like I saw more game, like deer and elk, than I have seen in years. So they talk about like the destruction of all the animals from the winter, but it was literally insane. I have not seen this many elk in Colorado in the spring maybe my whole life. So I kind of question that just a little bit. I don't know. Definitely. That is, that's pretty wild. Do you guys, I mean, in years past, I mean, obviously they had quite a winter this year, but in years past, have you guys had like a large winter killer or anything like that? I mean, not that I'm aware of. And I didn't really realize like how much elk I saw during the spring until probably the hundreds that I saw this spring. Oh, wow. Yeah. You were getting into them. It literally driving for Turkey. So I'm not trying to find them. They're just, they were there. (laughs) So basically what you're saying is you were on Onyx just pinning everything. (laughs) (laughs) They're not even my hunting areas. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not for elk anyways. Turkey is, we hunt turkey somewhere than we, different than we do for elk. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So you're like me during turkey season when I drive by all the deer, I'm just like, stupid deer, get out of here. Where are the turkeys at? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the salty season for turkey for me. Yeah, that's tough. But, you know, that's all right. Turkey's over. We're looking forward to the next season's coming up. You guys have mule deers you can hunt. You have freaking elk you can hunt. I'm actually kind of interested. I've never hunted any of these species before. So, like, for me, this is all pretty exciting stuff. And you know what? Before we get into that, there's actually more coming up. You mentioned in August you have a pretty exciting trip. So, Why don't you kind of break down what your uh, first trip of the year is looking like? Oh, man. Dad and I are headed out to South Africa at the end of August to hunt. Dream hunt, y'all. We can't even believe it's happening, really. That is incredible. Africa hit my radar, like, last year, big time. What are you guys targeting? What is, like, some of the species that you're after? I know there's, like, 4 million, but what what is, like, the big one? I guess, what are you targeting? And then we'll go into like, what is that one? The white buffalo. Like, what is the one? What's the great white buffalo? Great white buffalo. (laughs) The one you're after. (laughs) You know, guys, like, I don't know if there's like one animal that like, I'm going out there for this Mm -hmm. animal. I'm stoked. Like, I'm just stoked to be going out there. And dad too. So they've got a list of actually of animals for us to hunt while we're there. And we're just kind of going with the flow. You know, this is something totally different for us. Never been there before. Never hunted these type of animals. I think we're just grateful for this experience and anything that we can hunt out there. I kind of like that go with the flow mentality of something totally foreign to what anything you've ever done before. I feel like I would kind of share the same sentiment and I would just, you know, go for the experience and then, you know, whatever comes of it, comes of it. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're going off of. You know, we're really going to for the experience and everything. I wouldn't say that we had a specific animal in mind. It looks like, so we we have a list of animals like Impala, mm-hmm. the wildebeest, blues, wow. Um, 
I can't even talk. Kudu, I'm all excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <bushbuck. laughs> um, so no, we're we're stoked to get out there with this family. Um, this this company that reached out to us is sending us out there, and we're just pumped. Shout them out. Throw them out there. Why not? So we are going with the Big Game Africa hunting safari, and from my understanding, it's a a dad and a son, and they've got a few other hunters underneath them that guide, but it's mainly them. And which is kind of cool to me, like my dad and I are going out there and his dad and his son are going to be guiding us. And we've just heard through the grapevine through this process that this is an amazing family and we are absolutely going to love this hunt and being with them, which just makes it even that more priceless to us, honestly. Absolutely. Africa is like one of those once in a lifetime type of trips. And, you know, I I also agree. I think it's really neat that you guys are just going to go out there, really enjoy the moment, really take in the moment. And whatever, you know, you get the opportunity at, you get the opportunity at, and you're not really specifically on anything, you know. I think what's funny is most people go out there and they have a list and they're like, okay, I want to shoot this, 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 and this. And then they get out there and, like, something else walks out in front of them. Like, well, that looks cool. I'm going to shoot that instead. You know, it's just <laughs> how it works out. But I don't know. I, I think it'd be awesome just to see all the wildlife. Like, from what I hear, Africa's just, it's all about all the different. That's so neat. It is so neat. And, you know, we're the type of family in general, whether it's South Africa or even here, that we're going out there for the experience. You know, if we harvest something or we get something down, that's just a bonus to everything else, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, it, it's it's a good approach. That way, you know, no matter what, you guys definitely aren't going to be let down. That's the great part, right? I mean, you have no real expectations. You're just going out to enjoy the actual the trip itself and, and the moment, and I think that's that it definitely will go a lot farther and I'll bet you you're more successful because of because you're not going to be stressing you know you're not going to be kind of nervous that oh what if I don't kill anything and I spent all this money and went all this way you know you're just going to go out yeah. and you're going to try to harvest some animals and and make the best of it I think that's really cool absolutely yeah so are they going to lodge you up and everything else then everything as far as the hunt goes you just show up and they take care of you or how's that working honestly pretty much yeah <laughs> they pick us airport it's about three hours what they call is a farm like the ranch they call Mm -hmm. it a farm okay and that's basically where we stay for the hunt um they accommodate us food the hunt the guiding everything um we'll also be doing some fishing while we're there so that's kind of exciting i know right yeah (laughs) well i asked the guy i was like well what do y'all fish out there Mm -hmm. and it sounds similar like i think he said like bass and catfish and stuff like that like sweet cool charmaine's like i'm gonna fish for a crocodile (laughs) (laughs) i'll watch them (laughs) yeah i I was just wondering if you were going to be the next person we see on the front page of news or magazine with you behind like a giraffe or a rhino or something the next what was that lion's name that guy cecil the lion cecil (laughs) (laughs) that was such a strange situation oh my goodness it it is kind of weird though i mean you're kind of it's weird in a way that as a female hunter, you get like a different kind of rap for, uh, you know, being, I'm, I'm going off example of like, what was it? Kendall Jones who got just absolutely shredded after. Fake drugger, man. Yeah. After killing some amazing, amazing creatures in Africa and taking some phenomenal photos. Like, is that worry you at all? I mean, is that in the back of your mind or is that just not something you even care about whatsoever? You know, 
it really has not bothered me. Like, I yeah. do not have any worry about that whatsoever. I mean, she got, like, death threats and stuff. So I don't understand the way people look at it. But I do feel like in today's society, depending on the type of animal you kill, you will get some, some threat from people. Yeah. So I tried to be a little smarter in what we chose to to harvest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really don't want to go out there and kill a giraffe. Right. I mean, it's just not on my list, really. Right. Um but like I want to kill something that we can take back and they're going to feed us while we're there. Definitely. You know. Definitely. I feel so, like there's a big stigma behind Africa in general. I mean, there's a stigma b- behind hunting in general, mm-hmm. but Africa has that very special place and a lot of the anti's hearts that just like you went to Africa and shot like a majestic beast. It's because they're zoo animals. Yeah, well, For yeah. uh, to us here, they're zoo animals. Charismatic megafauna, dude. Exactly what you just said. <laughs> No, you're right. I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, 100%. Like, people, they see something that is cute and cuddly at the zoo, and they don't realize that, you know, Charmaine and her dad are going to go over there and feed families. Oh, definitely. Like, that's what the reality of Africa is. That's why I like it so much. I mean, I've, I'm legitimately looking into Africa for, like, maybe the next three to five years. Let, let's be honest. How cool would it be to be behind a giant bull kudu? Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be my number oh my one. God. I'm just saying. The kudu? Yeah. Big one. Yeah. yeah. I think that's number one on our list, too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're so cool looking. I mean, re- regardless of whether you get a shoulder mount or I would do a euro. I'm a euro guy myself, but really? a euro mount of a kudu. I'm a euro girl, too. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. See, I'm more yep. of a, I think I would like a sable, the prince of Africa. The big, like the big the swoop. The big giant swooping yeah, back. that's pretty sweet. That would be cool. That's cool. Kudus are pretty <laughs> awesome too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Even are. like the the Impalas and, you know, some of the ones that out there, they're like, those are shoot as many as you can. Basically. Those are cool too. They are. They're sweet. They're little, but they're they're cool, man. Africa's so awesome. And they eat well. You guys are going to be eating good. There's, I would want to eat everything. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. You're going to be eating very well while you're out there. Oh, man, I'm so stoked. I can't wait for like, the people that live there to make it for us. Yep. Oh you yeah. Know, put that uh, put that little bit of a foreign twist to it. A little foreign cuisine. Yeah. Yep. Charmaine, do you get into do you get into cooking? Are you are you the chef of the household? I am the only chef in the household. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, my <laughs> husband, <laughs> uh, he smokes some food, like some barbecue, really well, um, and basically barbecue. But yep, I'm the main the main gig here. Okay, so my, my kind of point behind that, are you going to be the kind of person that's just like, bring me whatever, or are you going to be the kind of person that kind of wants to get in there and maybe, you know, just kind of watch them and maybe bring back some recipes with you, or how are you feeling about that? Oh, yeah, well, I'm definitely going to watch, and, you know, I'm all about the experience, too, like, well, how did they make that? What did they put in there? You know, when we were in Belize earlier, what, what I don't know what year we were in, last year, um, the way they made their food there, I came home and made it here and was just, like, blown so it's also about the experience of what they're making you. So you know me, I will be right up in there. That's awesome. That's kind of the answer I was looking for there. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a big culinary guy, Austin. I'm the chef of this household. You are, you're a, <laughs> you are the chef. <laughs> oh, man, that's fun. That's, that's fun. awesome. No, that, I'm excited for you. That, I think that's going to be a great trip, a great, great way to kick off your year. But then you're heading oh, back, man. and it's going to be mm-hmm. September before you know it. What's the first species you're chasing? Well, you know, I didn't draw for a whole lot this year, unfortunately. Ew, that's tough. Uh, ah, man, it's so tough. But I'll continue to try to get, like, a leftover tag here in Colorado. 
and you know the the only thing that I'm coming back to you to hunt is grouse and honestly I'm freaking stoked about it grouse is like one of my favorite favorite wild game animals excellent table fare too yeah oh man it's our favorite to like cook around camp and stuff too so we'll come I'll come back and we'll hunt grouse um we've got like an antelope hunt and i'm trying to think what all a deer muzzleloader so we'll just kick in a season after that like deer elk turkey and throughout the whole family like i don't just go on my hunt i go on my husband's i go on my dad's my dad's girlfriend so it'll be rolling through there that's awesome so just out of curiosity you said you didn't really do very well in the draw this year how's kind of that leftover tag situation work for residents out there do you do you think you have a good shot of getting something that you're interested in? Or is that kind of just, you know, I, around here, our leftover tags go really quick. Yeah. Um, shot in the dark, honestly. You know, they release tags every like Tuesday or something. And you look at the list and then you've got to be on it at, the, I don't even know what the real time is, but like Thursday, nine o'clock. And you're literally clicking buttons on <laughs> the screen to try to get a leftover tag. So some people do, some people don't. I mean, I'm going to try it because I really want a deer tag, but yeah, definitely. it is what it is. That is such a bummer. Like, just to think that you could not, potentially not chase a certain game species in your own state because you didn't get a draw. Like, that blows my mind. A lot of states are like that. I know. That's just wild to think about, especially as a resident. Like, I understand the non-resident part, but as a resident, I would think, go hunt whatever you wanted. But apparently, it's not like that. Yeah. It's totally different world here, Charmaine. Like for us, we just buy a license and, and whatever season's open, we can go hunt that animal. You know, it's, there's not really, other than our elk, I will say our elk, there is a draw for that. And it's, you know, a once in an absolute, maybe a once in a lifetime draw. It's like winning the redneck lottery. You're winning the lottery if, and it's getting better <laughs> odds, but you're literally winning the lottery if you draw an elk tag. So. I guess in that way that. I could I could really. Are you guys? Do you guys put in for that elk? Oh, every mm -hmm. year I have so many points built up. I have the hope to eventually draw, but you know that, like we said, I mean it's just our our tag number. So we have a really good herd of elk here in Pennsylvania. Super sustainable numbers. They keep increasing our tag numbers every year, so that's hopeful. But the biggest thing about Pennsylvania is if you do draw that tag and you draw, you're lucky enough to draw a bull tag you have the opportunity to shoot a world-class elk. Like we have enormous yeah. elk here, 400 class inch elk. Yep. I mean, just absolutely enormous. That's what I've heard. I've, so I hope you all get it someday. That'd be super awesome. And you know, I'm actually going out to Missouri for the first time ever to hunt whitetail this year. Really? You have whitetails in Colorado though too, don't you? I mean, not where I live. Okay. Well, <laughs> they, yeah, I was going to say there they, are, but they're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure there's whitetail in Colorado somewhere. But I've they, seen whitetail in Colorado. So I was, was kind of. I it, might have been in a different part of the state. Yeah, though, definitely, definitely not. Definitely, but that part. But tell that, me about this this trip, though. Yeah, I exactly. mean, let's get into it. You got to be excited. I mean, whitetails are our bread and butter. This is the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. I mean, tell us all. Give us all the nitty gritty on that. Yeah, first timer over here. Well, we are either my dad or my husband will come with me. We're going to go to Missouri. So funny story. We met these guys in Colorado hunting elk. They go up to our hunting area every single year from Missouri. Um, it's this guy and his uncle, I believe, and we met them. And so every year we can expect them during second season in our hunting area. And, you know, they come to the campfire, BS, whatever. Well, they invited us to come out to Missouri and we put it out off last year. And this year we're actually going to go. And so we're headed out 
after our second season with them here in Colorado out to Missouri to hunt whitetail on their property. So this is the first time for us. So he's like, yeah, you can probably kill a buck and some doe. And I'm like, what? You can kill more than one? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's not real. (laughs) Oh, that's exciting. That's very exciting. What what time of year will that be? Is that like late October or what time are you going out there? So with all of our hunts here, like we barely – are able to squeeze it in. So we are going like the last weekend of their rifle season, which is like right before Thanksgiving, yeah, like that's, the weekend before. Thanksgiving. Yep. Late November. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause usually their rifle season comes in like right at mid November, like around the 15th usually, um, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool because Missouri's the a neat state in the fact that you can go and plan like a week long trip and you can get your tag and hunt them in archery and you can kill a buck and then you can, It'll if it turns from archery to rifle season, if you time it upright, you can go buy another tag and shoot another buck with your rifle. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So Missouri's cool like that. I mean, you you can only get one per weapon, but you can get two total bucks if you do it that way. You just have to pay the extra. I think it's like two twenty five or whatever it is for the for the uh, gun tag, and you can kill one. I know um, a friend of mine. His buddy goes out there every year, and that's how they plan their trip. They do the full week, and they'll do you know three or four, probably four days of archery hunting, and then three or four days of rifle hunting. And he kills two giant bucks. That's, that's awesome. Pretty neat. Missouri's a good state. I think you're really gonna enjoy it. I mean, whitetail hunting—that's kind of be exciting. But what is your style of hunting? Are you more of a you know running gun, always moving whenever you're hunting out west? You know, spot and stalk, the the typical spot and stalk for sure. It's really about doing your homework too, though. And I feel like that's maybe for everybody, but for elk, it's super important. Um, So, like, we put up cams. We're going to be starting to put up cams. So we're going to basically watch areas that we know that they're in, which is where I killed my last bull, which is like a water hole that I had been watching. But I had to wait five days for them to actually show up again. So (laughs) it's like, I mean, it's like you're scouting while you're hunting. You know what I mean? So, yes, we're always moving, but there are times where you're you're stalking as well. There are times that you're sitting for a few hours and hoping that they do cross like they have been on your cams. So it's really a mixture, honestly. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Whitetail's going to throw you for a little bit of a loop. Yeah. It is a patience game, <laughs> but it can be I've very heard. exciting, especially in gun season. It gets, it can get so exciting oh, very I quickly. I can only imagine it's going to get wild, especially if that that's about the, you know, tail end of their rut. That'll be like rut going into post rut. Mm -hmm. You should see some some really fun activity if you're in the right place in Missouri. No reason you guys shouldn't have one heck of an experience. But it seems like you have a little bit of experience with that kind of sit and wait over a water hole or something like that is, you know, that's more or less what deer hunting is pretty much about, you know. Sit in a good funnel or sit in your bedding and sit there all day and wait and hope you get to experience that two or three minutes of excitement for the eight hours you <laughs> sat there. <laughs> oh my gosh, is it that bad? Well, no, it, no. It, it, all right, it's it's not always that bad. <laughs> no, especially during gun season, it should be pretty exciting. Yeah. You should see some stuff, which which you could. That time of year, you should be able to see quite a ways. You should be able to at least, you know, be in it. I would hope. Definitely, definitely. Do you have uh, Do you have any expectations going into that hunt? I mean, what what would be your your ideal scenario? I mean, honestly, just to harvest. Um, we're like a fill the freezer kind of family. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, last year we really didn't get a whole lot of meat, and so I've never had whitetail. My husband has, and so I'm stoked to get several deer and fill the freezer to 
seriously. Um, you know, if I get a big old whitetail, that's even a bigger bonus than going out there. My only expectation is to do my best to fill our freezer. That's a beautiful answer. Yeah. Slam some does. Yeah. Honestly, I Absolutely. everybody loves to kill a big buck, but if you're looking for table fare, honestly, shoot some does. That's the best part about it. You'll be so excited to shoot a doe too, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. And I'm cool with that. You know, if I would like to get a doe or two, I'm not sure how many you can get out there, but if I can harvest a beautiful whitetail and put it on my wall, then more power to the whole trip, you know? Very cool. Very cool. I'm pretty sure. Now, it might be an archery thing. When I was researching Missouri, I don't want to say it because, but I'm pretty sure you can kill a lot of death. Um, but, but gun might be a little different. I, I'm not positive. Gun, you might be limited. I, I think archery, you, know, you can kill, you can pile them up. Uh, you know, at that you can definitely kill multiple deer, and I think you guys will have no problem doing that. That'll be a lot of fun. But, you know, deer, deer are so gamey. You should just send them our way. You know, you should kill bunch and then just ship them to Pennsylvania. Right, Austin? We'll take care of those stinky, nasty deer for you. You can, you know, don't worry about those. (laughs) Oh, I am certain that they're better than our mule deer. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're good. I I love deer meat. (laughs) Yeah, we fill our freezers. I mean, we definitely fill our freezers around here. I shot five or four or five doe last year. So (laughs) it's what we do. I mean, that's. That's the fun part of it. But that is cool. Late November. So you said you're just barely fitting it in. What do you got after that then if you're kind of just squeezing a whitetail hunt in? So really, it's what we have planned before that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we've got my my dad's girlfriend's hunting muzzleloader deer in New Mexico. Ooh. And then, then we hunt elk and deer and grouse and turkey all in Colorado. And then let's see, dad has a hunt in New Mexico for elk as well. And then we literally leave to Missouri the day after his hunt ends in New Mexico. Wow. Oh, you got a busy so, season. So I'm like, we better harvest. We are basically hunting super, super hard for like three weeks, maybe four. So, hmm. <laughs> and then it'll super slow down after that. It'll still be like grouse season for a little while, but that's it. Then we just go into ice fishing. Yeah. Ooh, that's exciting too. The nice part about that is too, though, you you have a range of different species in different places of the country. You won't get burned out. I mean, you'll, you'll maybe the driving or are you going to be flying or driving to which one in Colorado or Missouri? So if, whenever you're bouncing around like down in New Mexico and then back up to, uh, to Missouri, are you going to be driving? Well, New Mexico is, I would say the most for driving would be a couple hours. So we actually have a family cabin in Chama, New Mexico. Okay. Um, which is probably, three hours from where I live right now. So when my dad and his girlfriend hunt down there, we'll stay at the cabin and hunt out of the cabin. Basically you still have to drive a little ways out Mm -hmm. of the cabin. Um, but there's that. And then Missouri will probably fly down there and then rent a car so that we can bring everything back. That's a good tactic. That's a good idea. I like that. So you'll drive back with the meat coolers and that kind of stuff. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Heck yeah, that's a good idea. Not bad. Especially when you bounce around that quick. I mean, you're you're going, you know, bang, bang, bang from spot to spot. If you had to add driving into there, you'd be losing, you know, a lot of time for hunting. Yeah, we'll definitely fly because it's like 16 or 17 hours mm-hmm. from here to Missouri, maybe even a little further. And we want to try to harvest as much as possible. And I don't really know how that works doing it on a plane. That just sounds super complicated. Yeah, you're not going to be able to fly back with much. So the driving, that's definitely your better bet. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, you'd have to ship 
probably just ship everything that gets sent. That's going to be very expensive. Yeah, so you're better off just getting the vehicle and then returning it back in Colorado. Definitely, definitely. Good tactic. Yep. There you go. People out there, take notes. I mean, that's that's an awesome way to get a bunch of hunts in and still get your meat home. Yeah. Really cool. I like it. Well, Charmaine, we are getting closer there on time, but one thing that we like to do with all of our guests, I'm putting you on the spot just a little bit, but I know you can dig deep back in your brain there. What is your all-time favorite hunting story? Ooh. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So my first elk, bull elk in Colorado, we were all out camping and we had been scouting this area like crazy. And I go out opening morning to this pond that I had been watching. And the video is on my Instagram, y'all. 19 cow elk come down to this water hole. And the very last one and the only bull in the entire herd is a six by six. And he barely turns and I take a shot. And it's literally the sun had just came up. I have never harvested any dang thing within the first few days. So... <laughs> Um, <laughs> run back to the, the camper, you know, I'm two miles in, I'm with my dad, he recorded it, I can't even believe he got the, the footy, and I'm like banging on the camper door, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I just killed a six by six, I'm like crying and everything, <laughs> and everyone's like, no way, so we load up the girls, my stepdaughter's there too, so we're literally packing them in with our packs, and quarter it up and bring it back. And that story landed in Bugle Magazine of Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation. <laughs> that is impressive. <laughs> I tried to put it all together. <laughs> That's awesome. Heck yeah. Yeah. That was your first bull elk, you said. Early memories of a life right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's one I'm going to go and watch later. I got I to gotta skip. Yeah, you said it was on your Instagram? <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a couple. Um, actually, I think Muley Maniacs, which is one of the companies that I represent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they just posted a reel. We did like the time lapse or whatever of us quartering it up. And you can see like my dad, my husband, myself and the two girls in it. And we're quartering it up the whole time. But there is um, a shot in there. I need to pin it back to my profile so people can see it better. Uh, you seeing all the cows come down to this water hole and I take the shot and everything. And the funny thing is, and if you listen to just like the black noise, I'm crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, he fell. And we're like totally tripping out because this is my first elk and he's there. <laughs> I'll have to go find it and pin it on my profile so y'all can see it. <laughs> That's awesome. That is really cool. Yeah, definitely do that. I think everybody would like to. I just geeked out for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's it. That's no. the best feeling though, too. I mean, it really shows the raw emotion of it too. You're not just out there, you know, killing just, just for sport. I mean, it's, argh. that emotion comes out in everything. I can remember my first deer. I mean, I was shaking, <laughs> shaking like a leaf. And after that, I mean, it was just, I was on the radio just, oh. I shot a deer. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, that's great. I think I love that we grew up in the radio era. Yeah, there were no cell phones. You didn't have cell phones. <laughs> yeah. You had a radio, and yet it turned way down, you know, in case you, anything happened, you could still hear somebody else. <laughs> I remember that radio. God, I just shot one. I think I just shot one. That was like the most oh exciting God. thing in the world, you know, for little 12-year-old, 13-year-old me. <laughs> I love that stuff. I'm glad you brought that up, Austin. That's great. <laughs> That's funny. But speaking of social media, Charmaine, why don't you go ahead and uh, plug your social media, let everyone else know where they can find you. So I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Um, it's just my full name, Charmaine Leaf, and you can find me on any of those platforms. Perfect. Very cool. Very Easy cool. enough. Well, Easy. 
Well, thank you again for coming on and, and talking a little bit of scree, a little bit of everything tonight. We covered it all tonight. I mean, we were all over the place, but I thought it was an awesome episode, and I can't thank you enough. I'm glad we finally got this one recorded, and uh, I mean, I've nothing else to say. Thank you. That's all I got. I mean, did we miss anything over this whole thing? Anything you want to cover? Anything you want last minute? We got, I mean, we have a little bit of time. No, I mean, we told some awesome stories, some good memories, and a solid, solid session. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on, Charmaine. Yeah, thanks, guys.